California camp cruise, weddings NYC, Shadow Lake, Snow, Shipwreck, RV, and Ski, Hawaii, Burger Garden, Papers, Beer, Bad Barbie, it's a Babysitter's Club Super Special. I met my best friend Dan in 1985 in their babysitter's club, kept our friendship alive. <laughs> Emily was born in 1988. She said, hey, Aunt Esme, these books are great. Now we're all grown up and we're living our dreams as a writer and a scholar and an expert on teens. And we're gonna start again from the very first book because we're stuck, stuck, <laughs> stuck, stuck in Stony Brook. Wow, that was incredible. Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today we're discussing Super Special 6, New York, New York, and we are super excited to have a much-requested guest with us here today, Esme Nan's very sophisticated former New Yorker of a childhood best friend, Michelle Fletcher. She also babysat me. Welcome, Michelle. Yay! <laughs> what a rendition of the theme song. <laughs> such a treat. That was such a treat. I'm... I'm... I'm still reeling. Yeah, Esme and Michelle are actually, like, they can touch each other right now. Go ahead. Ooh, they're in the same room. <laughs> it's a weird way of, of describing that we're in the same physical space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, pretty on brand, though. Yeah, we are sitting in Michelle's children's bedroom where there are 10,000 stuffies, which makes for a good podcasting oh, environment yeah good acoustic acoustic proofing stuff <laughs> that hot dog you gotta seal yeah there's like a corgi in a spacesuit who's also shaped like a ball there's lots of stuff <laughs> oh. stuffed animals have come a long way a lot of animals a lot of stuff oh oh more from michelle soon uh do you all have your one sentence summaries yes summary mm -hmm. uh oh scare quotes <laughs> yes you want to go first because you have scare quotes emily no Okay, fine. Why would that mean I should go I first? will do mine, which is less uh, thorough than usual, but just the part that I was focused on, which are boys are here to treat your fears, but also you need to inspire them to overcome obstacles and pursue their dreams. Hmm. Strong. Yeah, it's sort of like a Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's yours, Em? Mine is the Central Park Petting Zoo does not cost 10 cents. Oh, I yeah. Was I was wondering yeah. if it still did. It did no. in the 90s. When I went to visit Michelle at NYU, it did. It does not. <laughs> they call it something else now. I'll get into it in my corner. Okay. <laughs> my one sentence summary is that the babysitters take a once-in-a-lifetime trip one hour away to New York City. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the fifth time they've done yeah, it. No. <laughs> fair point, fair point. How about you, Michelle? Mine's really long. Good. Thorough. Okay. Is it one sentence? Ish. Ish. Nice. Uh, mine is Claudia inspires all of her friends to become super tourists in New York City for two weeks, and Dawn gets a boyfriend, even though she anxiously hid in Stacy's apartment the whole time, while Marianne and Stacy babysit two post-war dressed English children who are being followed by a spy. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here because <laughs> that was the only <laughs> summary that gave any descriptive context for the book at all. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Thank you. Thanks for picking up our slack. <laughs> okay, hang on, guys. Wait, we should probably back up and tell you about the members of this podcast. I'm Annie Chikala, a freelance writer. I'm a mischievous pragmatist with a sweet tooth. I'm Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total individual and I like health food. <laughs> 
I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart. And I'm Michelle Fletcher. I'm a kindergarten teacher and a formerly sophisticated big city dweller <laughs> who loves to ride her new electric bike and dreams of having an urban farm. Wait, so are you not no longer sophisticated? What is this formally? Well, so this was up for debate. Yeah. You guys keep calling me sophisticated, and I'm like, seriously, you guys? I like, I just bought clogs and like clogs wear- are in right now. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess I'm just accidentally sophisticated. Yeah, wow. Okay, Stacy. <laughs> she just can't help it. Yeah, when she you're can't. riding your new electric bike with your freshly permed hair blowing in the wind, I mean, <laughs> that's pretty sophisticated. Not permed. Not permed Effortlessly anymore. sophisticated. Her perm now comes from random hormone Hormones. changes yeah. following childbirth and preceding menopause. <laughs> she doesn't have to pay for it anymore. They don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is it, is it, or is it not still a perm? Yeah. <laughs> the effect is more. Anywho, if you want to learn more about us or how we know each other, you can check out our prologue episode. Also, please rate and review us. It really helps people find the podcast. Haven't had any new little uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts lately. If you're new to us, pop on over there. Um, if you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BSC related, you can drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash stuckinstonybrook. And we have a new patron to Pizza Toast to this week. So thank you so much for joining us at the Kid Kit level, Reese Hudnall. Pizza Toast to you, Reese. Pizza Toast to thank Reese. Thank you, Reese. Yay, thank you. Woo. Michelle, it's very exciting that you're finally on the podcast. Uh, I don't know if you've listened to our entire catalog of episodes, but we do spend a lot of time talking about you on, <laughs> on this show. <laughs> uh, you've, uh, I, I, I would say... excited to be here. You've ascended to somewhat of like mythical Stacy status in the world of Sacramento, <laughs> California, <laughs> and the parallels yeah, to Stony Brook. So super excited to have you here, especially for a book set in a city in which we all lived, which is fun, I think. Michelle was the first one to live there, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sophisticated. We get it. Effortless sophistication. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michelle, uh, we usually ask our guests to begin by telling a us and thus our listeners a little bit about your relationship to the bsc when did you start reading them you know what character are you blah 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 all that good stuff okay well i started reading them in the third grade i think when i moved to um a different neighborhood in sacramento and met esme and annie and uh we were obsessed we were singularly obsessed and we played it at recess every day <laughs> and argued over who got to be marianne it was there were tears yeah some days mostly from esme of course well um, and didn't try to be marianne <laughs> and didn't try to be marianne. Marianne. no it was just yeah. me and you that fought over marianne yeah, for yeah. well and, and michelle a too oh yeah that's yeah. true yeah yeah and i i i didn't get as far as Anne and esme did with the um, with the books because yes, because you outgrew them at some point yeah. you were too mature. and yeah. she yeah. had like <laughs> boyfriends and stuff and I just I, I just read age. my books exactly that's exactly right yeah. yeah well what we've learned in this podcast is that Anne is not Claudia she's Janine yeah, yeah. I'm like Janine and Mallory and Mallory mm-hmm. yeah you're like the <laughs> Japanese American Mallory basically <laughs> oh yeah and then yeah, so I must have stopped reading them around seventh grade, I think, and mm-hmm. then decided I was way too cool for them or something. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, and I haven't, and even though I listened to the podcast because it's like hanging out with you guys, and I missed you all during the COVID problems, um, <laughs> the troubles, the, the troubles, yeah, the troubles. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, but I still did like a little bit. I was like, oh, God, I can't believe they're rereading all those books. Like how boring. But I reread this book and I was like, this is so fun. I'm enjoying it. Like I almost read it in public. I was like, whoa. Yeah, I know. I feel like I would have made a lot of friends if you I read have. it. Yeah, at my daughter's soccer practice. A lot of Marianne specifically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think our, our podcast listening audience is approximately 72% Marianne's. Super, yeah. super yeah. predominant, I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, I was going to ask you one more question about the books. Oh, oh, tell us about um, your own relationship to babysitting. Did you babysit? I, as me put in the notes here that you babysat me, which I believe, but I don't specifically recall. Um, did you do other babysitting? What kind of babysitter were you? Were you like a good babysitter? Were you uh, like Anne's friend, Melissa, who was like one of those shitty babysitters <laughs> who just like wears them out right before the parents come home? Like, <laughs> um, I was the babysitter that would eat everything in the kitchen. Like, oh, would, yeah. like where are the chips and the crackers? And oh, they have cheese and like drink their sodas. And mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. And yeah. I, I mean, did, if I ever babysat that. for a family with string cheese, it's like, forget about it. You're There's stuck. no... It's gone. It's totally gone. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, I babysat when I was much younger, like 11, around our neighborhood a little bit. And I remember I babysat this one kid and I would walk him around the neighborhood when he was two. And he would just pee on people's lawns. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't do that. But um, so I, did, I stopped it. Wait, what? I know. I know. So you walked him like a dog, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why he would just like drop, like he would just... He had to go. I mean, I'm proud of him. He was at least peeing his pants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I stopped babysitting in high school, I guess, because I was just too I cool, was too busy with <laughs> things and too cool. But then when I got to New York, I babysat mm-hmm. quite a bit, actually, ah. for two uh, two different families. And wow, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was pretty crazy. the The money was good. I babysat like every Saturday night for one family. And then for like two years and um, witnessed the parents going through divorce and like, yeah. Did you think of Stacy when you were doing it in that time? You know, I I maybe did. (laughs) You did not. I don't think I did. Um, I I could tell you some sordid things if you want to know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Anne does. Anne wants to know. Okay. (laughs) Well, okay, so one little kid, I shouldn't say her name. She's no. an adult now. Mm-hmm. Um, her parents, like, went through a divorce while I was babysitting her, and she was really sweet. And um, and then the dad moved into a different apartment, and so I would go to the mom's apartment, and then on one Saturday in the dad's apartment on the next Saturday, and the dad hit on me once one night. Ugh. He came home drunk and was, like, trying to make out with me and stuff, and I was like, oh, no. Was gross. So it was so gross. And then um, I didn't go back to yeah. his house. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Um, and the Wait, other... that never happened to Stacy in the series? <laughs> well, you know, it might have if Stacy continued to babysit into college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You never think. Yeah. You know, and then. then gross. Yeah. Really gross. Okay. So, Michelle, you're also a teacher, though, in spite of yes. the fact that. You did not think about Stacy and the Babysitter's Club when you were babysitting as a young college person, but you did go on to, you know, care for children in their intellectual capacity as an adult. Yes, yes. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Do any of your kids in your classes read the Babysitter's Club? So I teach kindergarten right now, so no. Oh, right now. Okay. Um, but actually, I was reading this book at home, and my third grade daughter was like, we have those books in my class. And I was mm-hmm. like, you should start reading them. So I'm very excited <laughs> about them. Yay! Yeah. That's fun. What do, you think, what do you think Elodie is? Which character is she? Oh, who's Elodie as? I, see, I also have this problem where I can't reflect upon personality traits. So I had a really hard time writing my thing. She basically Esme did it for me. She made me help her with her one sentence summary. And yeah. she was like, how do you guys know which one you are? How do you? I, I don't understand. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> so. I truly cannot. Like, but, so well, I did, so did you did you strongly identify with Stacy when you read the books or you don't really recall? I don't really recall. I, I feel like I identified with Marianne when, with at Marianne. first when I was younger. And then um, we just decided know. you were a Stacy and now you were like, OK, I'm a Stacy. No, I, I, look. So here's the thing. She's definitely a Stacy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's not it's not a question. Anne's nodding vigorously. She's like has that effortless cool that she's like, I mean, I don't think I'm sophisticated. Like that just is that only people who are truly naturally cool can can be so like unbothered by their own coolness. Yeah. When Stacy's um, like, I mean, I suppose I'm a slightly more mature than my friends, but mm-hmm. it's yeah. okay. We are all still we all still right. have so much in common. Exactly. Yeah. And she's a cool, cool person like that about Stacy. Like Anne and I, like as we mentioned, you know, Michelle was out doing exciting things and Anne and I like literally went to Target together on Saturday nights and then came home and watched Wayne's World for the 37th time. Mm-hmm. And like Michelle would happily do that or go on a date with a hot senior, you know, like she was equally happy to do both. I also think you, you know, you went through your parents getting divorced, which is mm-hmm. a big Stacy arc. Mm-hmm. Um, you did, you know, live in both New York and London, um, which are very sophisticated places. And you also like were a cool person that did really well in school and cared about school. Um, and that's another Stacy. Were you a math dork like Stacy? No, no, mm-hmm. she's not a math nerd. No. But you are a certified reading specialist. I am a yeah, I'm a reading reading nerd. Yeah. Reading nerd. Yeah. I mean, none of us here have that problem, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, do you I mean, do you think that like the BSC and Beverly Cleary and Judy Bloom and all those books that we sort of like hoovered up as children, do you think that that had like any impact on your eventual particularly your centering on reading oh, with absolutely. your teaching? Yeah. yeah. What 100%. sort of through lines do you see through lines what sort of through lines um i so okay I don't as me with that, the hard-hitting I don't journalism understand that question, but, um, <laughs> the i don't Rude. but i'll tell you what i'm thinking yeah um which is i am constantly surprised by how adults don't still enjoy children's literature mm. and mm. they think that it's not literature mm-hmm. and it was just something you know, and right. like I've had conversations with different people in my life who are like, oh, well, it can't be a great book because it's a children's book. Ugh. And I'm like, are you are you serious? Like, mm-hmm. there's so much more in these books than you even can fathom. Mm-hmm. And and even even um, like picture books, not even chapter books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I suppose I suppose that our rich, um, you know, literate childhood has had an effect on me mm-hmm. do you remember we used to call each other and read each other books on the phone mm-hmm. for fun yeah. wait what we did 
That's so weird. I know. <laughs> there was no internet. Yeah. yeah. That's what you did in the like 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> no no on-demand streaming television. You Call know, the operator. So yeah. I mean, there wasn't any of that when I was a kid either. <laughs> I didn't have the yeah, internet would, until I was a teenager. Yeah. We would enough. dial our our phone numbers, our mm-hmm. friends' phone numbers on the little dial-y one where you stuck mm-hmm. your finger in the hole and mm-hmm. pulled it to the right. The one where you had to call the operator and then say, <laughs> can patch me through to yep. that yeah. log again. The Morse code. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what was Michelle's? What was your mom's phone number? It was... 442-735. No, so, no, I thought it was no. like 442-7138. Is that right, what? Michelle? 7138. I thought it was like 0770 or something like it is four four two zero seven seven zero. But what? I have a couple different was, phone numbers. That was later. Wasn't seven one three eight your Seventh Avenue house? I think I didn't. I get my own phone. This line? is riveting. I think eventually you did. And I had, I did because I had that weird see through phone <laughs> with all the like different colored wires and stuff. Right, we both that. had that, and then featured in the Babysitters Club uh, Netflix yeah. show. Yeah. All right, everyone, if you want to hit up Michelle as a teenager, go back in time and dial 446. <laughs> awesome. I also remember Stetson's phone number, by the way. If you guys oh, my God. Ooh, what is it? I'm not telling you. Should we try to call him right now? No. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so let's talk about the book. Maybe we can sort of collectively piece together the plot points. And then I'm curious um, to hear from you, Michelle, sort of what jumped out at you, especially as this is your first reread in what sounds like a really long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Claudia is like, except she applies to this thing. I kind of, it was hard for me to read the I think it's open parts because I was on a Kindle. Classes, right? So she okay. says anybody can take them. You just mm-hmm. have to sign up. Sign and up. Mm-hmm. So and it's she, like some famous guy. Mackenzie teacher. something. Clark? Clark, yes. Famous artist Mackenzie Clark. And so both Claudia and Mallory, both Claudia and Mallory decide to take classes with him um, at in these open studio classes in New York for two weeks. Yeah, Claudia, out of reverence for this famous guy, Mal's like trying to get better at her illustrations for her her book she wants to write. What else happens, Anne? Well, then, of course, they're like, we should all go to New York. <laughs> so that's what happens. Yeah. So they and all go to New York. Seventh of us do something. Yeah. The other um, yeah. And then like half of them stay at Stacy's dad's place. And the other half stay at the fucking Dakota, which I'd be like, I'm going to Lane's place. I yeah, know. I don't like, want to stay at Stacy's yeah. fucking dad's apartment that with a fire escape. I know. Like, not even because I'm scared, but because why would I stay there when I could stay at the Dakota? When yeah. else in my life am I going to stay at the Dakota? I know. <laughs> yeah, his like bachelor pad on the east side. Not cool. And then everyone has, you know, different plot lines. Claudia and Mallory's are the art classes. Mm-hmm. Christy finds a dog in Central, Central Park. Park. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dawn's it. like a fucking weenie again. Yeah, she does not <laughs> not do well when she's like out of Stony Brook. I don't know, man. Or it California. Doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. I don't know. We can we can talk about it later. But she also meets a boy, uh, as Michelle pointed out in her summary, who uh, who she basically IDs before she invites <laughs> him into the yeah. apartment. <laughs> He's like one of Stacy's dad's neighbors, and Stacy's dad was like, "Hey, my daughter's gonna be in town. Like, you should introduce yourself." And he's on crutches because he like broke his leg rollerblading. 
No, someone else yes. probably like rollerblading. rollerblading. <laughs> no, he breaks Which his ankle. Which Anne thinks is not possible. Which is not possible. I know because of the rollerblades. They're thank like you, hard. Michelle. Yeah, I was really you, annoyed about that. Thank you. Yeah. I like immediately texted them. I was like, you cannot break your ankle in rollerblades. No. However, you can break your ankle if your foot falls asleep when you stand up. <laughs> it's just a torn ligament. I didn't break my ankle. Thank you very much. But now I have a rollerblade proof boot, uh, a, a ankle break proof boot that I could rollerblade in once uh, my ligament heals. So there. Yeah. Listeners, Esme had a little boo-boo yesterday. Yeah. I'm fine. Also, please don't rollerblade. <laughs> Look, I only hurt myself doing daily things in my house. I don't, when I actually do adventuresome things, I don't get hurt. That's the thing. Okay. That's the trick. Anywho. Well, maybe um, do nothing unless it's something that's already dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was just saying the great tradition of all vacations that they take. Someone has to babysit and work. So mm-hmm. Stacy and Marianne volunteer to basically take, they're like diplomats mm-hmm. and they're in New York visiting and they take these two little English children out around town, but then they're getting, they think they're getting spied on, but it's their bodyguard. The Harringtons. Yeah. Harringtons, and yes. Jesse meets a boy at the ballet. She just happens to be sitting next to an age-appropriate boy who is also a ballet dancer. And black. Like, yeah. <laughs> but with slightly lighter skinned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Which I thought was a funny way of saying that he was also black, right? She describes him and then she's like, with skin almost as dark as mine, but not quite. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, he's also black. Did they specifically say that, though? Could he be... Like Latino? I think it's implied. Yeah, it's I think implied. it's implied too. Okay. But you're right. I don't know that they specifically. Uh, I think he mentions it late. Does he mention it later with all the guys that are giving him a hard time? No, I don't think they're teasing okay. him about like being black and being a ballerina. I think they're teasing yeah, him about gender. being a boy. I mean, he could have yeah. been like Dominican. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know. Are we missing anyone? Um, That's I it. I don't think so. Okay. Michelle, yeah. hit us. What jumped out of you? What'd you think? Okay. Uh, so I thought of all of the, like, oh, the babysitters are working again on vacations. <laughs> this one was, like, really well done because they did actually still get to go and sightsee and do fun things the whole time. And so mm-hmm. it was kind of a win-win for Marianne and Stacey. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was hilarious how the children were dressed when they first came on the scene as, like, little sailors. Like, it was Why? like a postcard from Is that how like, Joe dressed? 40s England. <laughs> He never dressed like that. I'm pretty sure. Michelle's husband is English listeners, so this was an especially yeah. good book for her. English to sign people, on for. I mean, they don't. They still don't dress like that. No, um, they don't. They. I mean, they, it was literally from 1943, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, I was giggling about it, basically, and uh, and how like not a hair was out of place. Mm-hmm. You know what this is? This is like Mary Poppins. This is where Anna Martin yeah. got her. Her description of these children. Oh, right. We have yeah, more from the three right. the three source materials. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I love Lucy all, again. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I love Lucy's in this one again. Yeah. We've discovered that pretty much everything comes from I love Lucy, Mary Poppins, and the Parent Trap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Great mashup. <laughs> yeah. So that popped out at me. What else? What else popped out at me? I mean, I, I was like impressed that. Um, I liked the art school thing 
Mm-hmm. I was impressed that they like drew boxes and got to go to the cloisters, which is like a place that most people don't think to go, mm-hmm. tourists and stuff. So I thought that was kind of neat how they covered. Mm-hmm. I've never been to the life. cloisters still. Oh, you oh, should go. You should go. It's really nice. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Just haven't been. Yeah. You can go there yeah. with a sketchbook. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> but but take but take your time drawing, Emily, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just take your time. Don't rush it. You need to develop discipline. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I did think that was really cool. I mean, I've been in like the Met before and seen groups of teenagers, you know, parked up on the benches with sketch pads and stuff. And it always seems there's always like a very fancy looking adult sort of wandering around looking over them. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's that's fun. It rang, rang like a realistic mm-hmm. uh, activity for them to have signed up for and participate in it. And I think it's very cool. Mm-hmm. What do you, uh, as a teacher, both Emily and Michelle, what do you think of Mackenzie Clark's methods for and how they differ for Mallory versus Claudia? I mean, I I feel like that it's a trope, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was um, kind of the way that it got all got resolved with Mallory being like, reverting back to drawing her like mushrooms and mice and things before she was confronted Mackenzie Clark about how she's not a good artist was very convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also thought it was really strange that he didn't talk to like any other students and they didn't meet any other students. <laughs> yeah. That seems was weird. like they were the only two. There wasn't room for that in the super special Michelle. There's not. only so many Claude and Mal like chapters. Plot developed more. Yeah, it struck me as kind of the strategy is kind of odd, right? He's like validating work ethic in Mallory while at the same time ultimately telling her she is not talented (laughs) Mm. and then kind of like punishing Claudia without telling her what's going on and like never until the last moment like offering her any recognition of her her ability which it just seems like really overwrought and kind of like missing the point of yeah teaching but I don't know <laughs> yeah I would have yeah I totally agree and like from a behavioral standpoint it, it just lacked orientation right like it I mean probably that's I mean I don't know I'm not an artist probably that's a good lesson for Claudia right to get some discipline and to slow down and not just kind of lean back on her talent but like see what will develop if she goes more slow and steady but why Mm -hmm. not say on the first day like you're clearly very experienced you're clearly very talented but I want you to get something different out of this class could she not have then applied herself differently and better knowing what direction he was wanting her to go than just like letting her meander around and feel like shit doesn't seem like the best strategy yeah and I also think like the conversation he has with Mal at the end seems like there's some direction missing there too, right? Like Mal's like, I want to illustrate children's books and I want to do these like cartoony fun characters that I'm trying to bring to life through a story that there's no reason why he couldn't be like, yeah, that's like, that's a different thing from the skill set that I'm teaching. And I think, you know, if you work hard at that, you'll be great at it. You know, like, I don't know. The whole thing seemed weird. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I did like watching him do it. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I mean, that's a good lesson to learn at a young age, though, in general, I think. 
that that you have no talent. No, that talent <laughs> won't necessarily just get you somewhere. Right. This is true. You know, in my in my field, I have definitely noticed that you can be marginally talented, but it really if you work really hard or like hustle basically, you can get really far. Mm-hmm. Like that almost matters more um than like someone who's just like, but I'm really talented. Like, see, like that doesn't really, that doesn't work in the real world. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. I, I realized that this book is where I learned long before I ever visited New York at 18 to visit Michelle at college. And long before I moved to New York, this is the book where I learned that it's bad to look like a tourist when you're in New York, like mm. the, this and Stacy's mistake. Um, there's a lot of those messages like continued throughout about like don't look at the street signs and don't look at your map and don't look at your guidebook and um it's just an interesting thing i don't know that we have as many cultural messages about that now i don't know if that or maybe i just learned them young and so i didn't pay attention to them later but yeah i I mean because of phones no one knows where anything Mm -hmm. is even if you live here so right (laughs) everyone's always looking at their map you just don't know if it's their map or twitter right um when mallory was like hailing a cab yeah. And Claudia's like, I was like, I didn't think what Mallory did was bad. Like, yeah, Claudia's like, know. you look like a tourist. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember the first time you guys hailed a cab? I remember I was like very empowered when I did it. I was like, <laughs> oh, somebody pulled over. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I trying to hail like 60 cabs and then learning <laughs> that their light has to be on. Yeah. Like, oh, right. <laughs> and then being yeah. like, okay. Yeah. That's why they're all driving past. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't use that many because I was a graduate student mm. the whole time I was in New York. So I, I probably took like three cabs ever that I was the person paying for them. So mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know that I had much practice. Mm. I was just like, yes. <laughs> Hello. Uh, I don't remember taking a lot of cabs, but now everyone uses Lyft or Uber or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for a while before. Lyft and Uber were in New York. They did the they introduced the green cab because it used to be really hard to get a cab in Brooklyn because they're like people would just drop people off here and then not want to like stay in Brooklyn. So they mm-hmm. wouldn't pick anyone up. They would go back into Manhattan. So they introduced the green cab, which only picked people up in the outer boroughs. Mm-hmm. So you could take it to the inner borough, but they were only the rule was they could only pick up passengers in the outer boroughs. Which I don't know that that helped anything, but I remember my friend got into a fight with a cab driver who wouldn't go to Brooklyn because mm-hmm. they would like pull over and be like, oh, I'm going to Brooklyn. They'd be like, then they start to drive away. And then oh, I remember fights happening and broken bottles of wine on the ground. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Anne's a little more sophisticated than we thought. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? Call that sophisticated? <laughs> <laughs> what pop culture stuff? That I feel like there was a lot. And yeah, I mean, it was a lot of like them going places and shopping. Mm -hmm. And they kind of like called out the big, the big places like, you know, Central Park, Lincoln Center. They went to Chinatown, Statue of Liberty. Uh, They went to Tavern on the Green again. Uh, Museum of Natural History. They went to the Met. I mean, they went to like all of the big touristy places pretty much, but I always think their shopping 
references were funny because they're like not cool, or maybe they were cool in the early nineties. So cool. Um, Is this the early nineties? I thought mm-hmm. it was the late eighties. Yeah, no, we're in we're in like mid ninety one, I think. Oh, okay. But she always, you know, Laura Ashley. They always mention mm-hmm. um, cafe. Oh, like that they go to South Street Seaport, which like mm-hmm. only tourists go there, mm-hmm. or if you're going to TKTS to get cheap tickets. Yeah, um, or if you're seeing the Might Be Giants play for free. Yes, or that. <laughs> um, There's a huge music venue there now on the roof of Pier Seventeen. Mm. Oh, that's new. Mm-hmm. Um, they get FAO Schwartz. Where else do they? What go? about what are all the places where what's his face takes Don on his on his like off the beaten path tour? Oh yeah, they go to like <laughs> yeah, they go to the village. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what is his name again? And Soho Richie. So like he's it's like the Eddie. fast the fast talking New Yorker, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. I also oh. cracked up. Okay, he's like they get in a cab and they go to Grand Army Plaza, which like. I didn't even realize that tiny little square outside of the plaza was called Grand Army Plaza. The big Grand Army Plaza is at the top of Prospect Park in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. Sick. They go to the plaza. They go to the Met. They go to Madison Avenue. But again, Laura Ashley, the soup to nuts of the shopping world. This is also where I learned the phrase soup to nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, they go to Godiva. <laughs> Oh, right. They go to Godiva and he makes her eat chocolate, which was another like. That was creepy to me. Yeah. 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 Like, no, you should eat. Chocolate. Oh, and then they totally walk around Chelsea and talk about how cool Chelsea is without ever mentioning the gays ever once. Right. And um, like, she's like, what? he called these homes, but it, I'm confused because they're all shared walls or whatever. It's like, yeah. Okay. They didn't look like houses to me. They looked like short apartment buildings. Yeah. Um, um, what a what a great diss of the brownstone yeah mm. and then they go to soho and then they go to little italy because she's already been to chinatown mm-hmm. they oh, ate right. a so lot. she's like crazy to think that just a couple blocks away yeah. is a whole different kind of cuisine yeah which is the same oh, in san francisco which is funny to me <laughs> little italy and chinatown yeah they're right next to each other north beach mm-hmm. and chinatown yeah and that's that's it so they basically just like eat oh, a lot and don't forget they went places. to hard rock uh, well, yeah. the, the babysitters did, but not with Richie, right? No, not with Richie. No. Yeah, Magnesi doesn't take her to the Hard Rock. That's too, that's too touristy for him. Yeah, he's showing her the of, real Michelle had some Hard Rock T-shirts. I did. I, where were they from? Yeah. Do you remember? They were. He only has one. Really? I thought he, he had more than that. It was a sweatshirt. I wore it all the time. Yeah. And it was Hard Rock Cafe London mm-hmm. because mm. when my see you know, the divor- sophisticated. The divor- Divorce vacation. Was. Yeah, yeah. My dad took us to Europe, the Thames to the Tiber. <laughs> Ten days. That's so funny. Yeah, whatever it was. Divorce vacation. Yeah. Yeah, I got some good That's ones. like how Don calls her yeah. dad the Disneyland dad. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly. That's what they did. Yeah. Other things I just want to point out are when they went to Chinatown to get dinner. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I felt nervous reading that part because mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. I was like, where is this going? Mm-hmm. That they're going to say something offensive. But I, I mm-hmm. get it turned out to be OK. But they were yeah. all like, what's this place? It looks all shitty. I don't want to eat here. Yeah. They're like, oh, wow, the food is good. Wow. Yeah. Like, Aren't I was there like, like plastic uh, tables or something? Yeah. And they're like, oh, oh really? heaven forbid. Yeah. Yeah. I there were a few points in the book where I was like, oh, my gosh, that's snobbery of these white. Connecticut girls. Yeah. 
Okay. Where Christy, you know, that that was one of them. And then the other one was um, how judgy they were about um, Quint's apartment mm-hmm. and about Stacey's dad's apartment. Yeah. About the apartment where the dog ends up. Going. I didn't like that. It was kind of small. I know. Yeah. But he's obviously Weird. very loved. It's like, what? Like, you know, we can't all live in the Dakota. I know. <laughs> Seriously. Well, what do you think Anna Martin was trying to do with that? Here is this teacher as me asking us. No, I'm, yeah, I'm no, I'm, I mean, I'm forming my own thought, but I don't have a, like, I, I, I like, I think that was deliberate, right? I think that, I think she's trying to do the opposite, right? She's trying to assume mm-hmm. that kids, I think she's trying to assume that kids that aren't from New York would think like normal places in New York were small or shabby because of the way the suburbs are depicted on television and the way a lot of mm-hmm. Americans live in less dense places. So right? the girls like surprise that the people who live there are nice or the apartments that are smaller nice is supposed to like disabuse us of those yeah, I stereotypes. Think just, I mean, I think if they don't go in with the stereotype, then you then the kid is left reading it for themselves without that narration. Like that's my thought is that it's like, no, but actually this is, this is how it is. And it's, you know, with like Stacy's narration of like, everybody gets roaches sometimes it's part of living in the city. It doesn't mean that you're dirty. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. Like, I feel like that's part of it. Like, yeah, some people are, like are rich as fuck and live in the Dakota, but most people have more modest apartments and are still like, good people and like you should learn that lesson even though they're they're surprised i feel like they're surprised is designed to take down the reader's surprise yeah but i think they spend more time being surprised than like learning from that surprise fair enough yeah and i think they spend more time being kind of like doing like pearl clutching than (laughs) you know coming around to yeah the other view i guess but i don't know I mean, yeah, what do we think of Dawn's behavior? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that because we talked we talked about this a bunch in the first Stacy book where Stacy um you know, gets her parents basically to start a what I mean, I forget the exact plot, but basically her the parents are kind of organizing some that's not like a drive, is it? I don't know, some concerned citizens group to address the unhoused woman on their block mm-hmm. or whatever, and like the issue of homelessness. And it's like a lot of the stuff, you know, that Dawn's afraid of, all the the crime, right, are things that are actually kind of receding by the time this book uh, mm-hmm. is published. A, mm-hmm. a bit, not fully. But mm-hmm. also like, you know, the rhetoric around what makes New York City dangerous essentially renders poor people criminals right in that kind of like if you're poor there's something wrong with you thus the criminality of poverty or whatever and like don you know like don's like oh i wasn't afraid once but we're not still not dealing with like the structural causes of you know crime or anything like that um i think it just kind of like glosses over it and it's about her like learning to live with the fear Mm-hmm. Right. There's not a story about like poverty to be learned here <laughs> or a lesson mm-hmm. about it to be learned here. It's just like suck it up and deal with it kind of. Yeah. Or rather that it's a dialectic. Right. And the, mm-hmm. the, like all all of your fears are accurate, but also there are also nice things in New York. 
Like, I feel mm-hmm. like that's it. Not, not your, your point of view to, to support what you're saying, not your point of view is wrong, or you have to look at the things causing these things, but like, right. yes, be afraid of all those things, but also don't let that blind you to the beauty that's here as well. Right. But, right. Which I'm not sure is like what the, uh, the lesson we're supposed to learn. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> or it's not the one I would teach if I was writing a book for kids about <laughs> crime in New York city. Right. <laughs> Ooh, will you write that book? Mm. <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, and also she her fear went away because she had a male. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a, a nice boy. Yeah, you know, teaching her, showing her the ropes, and he put his cape down over the puddles when mm-hmm. she stepped out of the cabs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes yeah. Dawn seems really cool, and sometimes she's kind of lame. Sorry, yeah. Emily. I think she's just. I think Dawn she's sex. she's specifically susceptible to like boy garbage in yeah. a way that the other ones are not in the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So far, we see that. Like that's her. That's her Achilles heel. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Well, except for Stacy, right? But even Stacy, I I don't think we see that consistently. Like we saw that mm. with Scott, and then she learned a big lesson from it, and I don't think we've seen it since. Mm. Was Scott the older boy? No, Scott was the lifeguard in Boy mm-hmm. Crazy Stacy. Oh, okay. Do- the older boy is another Don one. Oh, yeah, douche Travis. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I was thinking about yeah, the California I- Girls one too, but that's not really Stacy. Doesn't do that for a boy. No, it's not for the boy. It's for the, like, adventure, the sensation-seeking, the thrill, Mm -hmm. right? She's not, like, into any of those boys specifically. She's into being around older kids and doing dangerous stuff, which is Stacey's Achilles heel, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a little bit Michelle. I did like... That's totally me. I know. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Oh, we just blew Michelle's mind. (laughs) See? You're a Stacey. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't have diabetes, but I do have scoliosis. That's true. That's yeah. True. Just to wear a shoe yeah, lift. It's way not as bad. Yeah. No, not not drawing parallels, <laughs> listeners. But it's a four syllable. Yeah. You had chronic headaches as a kid too. Yeah. Ooh. It's not good. One other thing about Dawn before you, you move on, I did like that we had a little glimpse. Here's my tiny psychology thing into the way that Sharon sort of props up some of Dawn's fears um, in the goodbye chapter when they're all leaving from the Stony Brook Mm. train station. Um, I think both Dawn and Sharon have this, well, Sharon's like, I'm absent-minded and free. And Dawn's like, I'm chill and an individual, but they're leaving. And Stacy says that her dad had the apartment fumigated. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Sharon's like, I hope all those dishes and pots and pans were washed after the exterminators Mm -hmm. sprayed their poison around, which I felt like was both a dig at California and uh, an example of the way that Sharon reinforces like various fears and kind Mm -hmm. of boogeymen in the world. Yeah, but that also seemed out of character, given what we know about how messy Sharon is. Right. But Sharon's... uh, sloppy but not dirty i don't think Mm. she puts her keys in the freezer i don't think it's like dirty i think she's like Anne. i think she's clean but disorganized Mm -hmm. Mm. but i don't think like she's a californian who's like anti-chemicals right yeah exactly Mm -hmm. you get a little bit of the natural is better fallacy Yeah, like she clearly cleans her countertops with like lemon and vinegar yeah totally (laughs) who else does that (laughs) um yeah so the other like weird boy thing is with jesse so dawn has a a boy save her from her own fear and introduce her to the real new york city (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then uh 
Jesse helps a boy overcome his own, uh, I don't know, trials and tribulations with his budding masculinity. Yeah, his gender prison. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's a dancer, and apparently he's very good. His teachers say he should audition for Juilliard, and we learn in the postscripts um, with their male communication that he gets accepted. Wow, so quickly. Um, <laughs> but he like doesn't want to go because the boys on his block make fun of him for being a dancer and they call him a sissy and all this Mm -hmm. stuff yeah it was interesting i thought it was weird that his parents seemed to be surprised that he was so serious about dancing Mm -hmm. like they were like he you know he makes jesse go home with him to talk to his parents about his new found decision to like suck it up and deal with the teasing and follow his dreams um which is hilarious to me because she's he, he's known her for like a week. <laughs> he's like, a, I need a you. Random girl I met Please at Lincoln Center. <laughs> come help me confront my parents and blah blah blah. It's like, all right, cool. I'll do all that emotional labor for you, no problem. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, Je- this is more of Jesse's yeah. magicalness, right? She yes. does a lot of emotional labor for a lot of people. Yeah, so much. And she's eleven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like how she's like teaching him about prejudice too. She's like, hello. Well, but she doesn't go the intersectionality route. You know, she's not like, bitch, I am multiply oppressed. Like, shut up. Mm. Mm -hmm. Although arguably, right, the conversation around like the mode of his oppression is gendered, right? Like Mm -hmm. the the confines of masculinity are restricting his ability to sort of move move freely through his own world and like pursue the things that he wants to pursue, pursue his own life projects or whatever. Right. You can make an argument that if Quint was a black girl, he would be in a better position. Like his life would be easier for him. Yeah. And that for these particular. Yeah. yeah. For Mm -hmm. for his particular struggle. Yeah. But I did think it was, I, I was surprised that his parents were like, oh, we had no idea you were so interested in dance. Like. I didn't read it that way. Maybe I. I read it of where they were like waiting. For, they had been waiting for him to mm. admit mm. that he was mm-hmm. wanting, and they were like, "Okay, yeah, great, yeah. do whatever you want." To, you know, get in his way by telling him this is what he should do. Mm. They waited for him to be like, "This is what I want to do." Mm-hmm. Like, great, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's what I thought too. Like they and they also were realistic. Like they knew that it would be a social struggle for him. They right. know the boys on the block, they know the neighborhood they live in, whatever, all, all of that that is not quite spelled out, but is somewhat spelled out in this yeah. book. And so they well, was, feel like they could push him to do mm-hmm. it, even though they saw his talent. And so so when they're saying, like, you want more classes kind of questioning, they're pushing him to, like, just say exactly what it is that he wants or. Yeah. Yeah. OK, yeah, yeah, that's how I read it, too. Mm-hmm. Are we supposed to think that. They're like upper, upper west side. <laughs> I mean, like, there's no like boys on the block in Lane's neighborhood. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think Lane walks her there. So it's not that far from the Dakota. Oh, so it's probably right. not like all the way up in Harlem, right? Do they walk there or do they take the subway and walk? I think they walk there. I th- yeah. I think it's either they walk there or it's not explicitly stated. Mm-hmm. Um, but That's I did think question. it was interesting that the kid who's all also almost as dark skinned as Jesse is the only, you know, kid in this book who lives on a block where there are boys, you know, saying shit to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I was curious what you would think about that whole part, Emily, in terms of like, 
his his gender oppression what what he should do what like if they should have said any more about it seems like race is sort of incidental to that plot i always this is a thing that bugged me as a kid without knowing much about the world but it always like frustrated me that like you know in at camp mohawk the boy that Claudia likes is Asian and that's unusual for Claudia at least, but it's like, Oh, there's finally a Japanese American boy that Claudia can like. And then Stacy's for Jesse's first kiss is another black boy. Um, And like that, I mean, that was a thing a lot in in like TV shows and stuff. Like the one black Mm -hmm. character would have the boyfriend that was the one black guy at the school Mm -hmm. that was mostly white. So, um, but I also think it's neat for Jesse to know another black person in ballet because we've talked a lot right. about how that was super unique at the time. So, but that could have like been a such a better way for them to have the conversation around prejudice, right? Like mm-hmm. Jesse could have been like, Hey, I know it's hard to be a boy in ballet. Like you don't see many black girls in ballet, even, even though there are more girls in ballet than boys. And mm-hmm. so like, I've struggled with that, you know, in mm-hmm. my dancing career. And like, that would have been an interesting way for them to, to bring, the like demands of race and gender together, I think to make sense of both of the, like the difficult situation they're both in, right. On the one hand, right. Black men are um, often like villainized, criminalized, deemed violent, but there's also like internal group pressure to aspire to a certain type of masculinity, right. As a demonstration of strength and resistance against racialized oppression. And so that like that his skin color and the demands of masculinity from his peers are linked just seems inevitable to me. And yet, you know, Jesse's like, Jesse does that kind of like kumbaya multiculturalism bit Mm -hmm. that we've been talking about that recurs in the series, which is like, we're all oppressed in some way. And like, can't we all get along, you know? And I think that that is a real missed opportunity Mm -hmm. to like, like think about race Mm -hmm. in that context, but you know, yeah. Yeah. Agree. That's all I got. Okay. Well, I have a little. Oh, um, oh wait. One more thing, just about the Central Park Zoo. Mm-hmm. The petting zoo is no longer like a separate entity that you can pay ten cents to go in. Stacy um, takes the kids there, and she's like, "Has always been, and will always be ten cents." And I just like chuckled to myself, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna Google that because there's no way that has stood the test of time." Mm-hmm. So now it's like this rebranded thing. Um, that's but it's called the Tish Children's Zoo, and you cannot just pay to go directly into that. It's like part and parcel of the mm. admission ticket. And like right now, um, for adults 13 and over, it costs $19.95. Oof. <laughs> uh, for a child 3 to 12, it costs $14.95. And for seniors 65 and over, it's $16.95. So the only people who can get in for free are children under two or under three, I guess. Damn. Yeah. Um- Tish, I think, is a family, like a philanthropist mm-hmm. family. So yeah. I don't, I doubt it's related to NYU, mm-hmm. but it's just related to the family. The family. Yeah, they just gave money to both. Yeah. Both, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you know when it changed, Emily? Because I, I remember it still being I tried, I tried to look for that, but there was not like a clear answer on the internet. Yeah. Well, um, they want people to know. They want to pretend yeah. it's always been like that. <laughs> I think it must have been like whenever it was remodeled and probably whenever they got that grant from the Tish Foundation is my guess. Yeah. Ugh. Boo. Yeah, yeah that's expensive. So, yeah, it's fucking expensive. All yeah. zoos are really expensive now. 
Yeah. You have to like buy family memberships that cost like $250 and then a year and then you like, I don't know, you guys don't want to know this. Nobody wants to know this. (laughs) Well, it probably, it's also This is capitalism, Michelle. Yeah. 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 And then, but the nice thing is that once you're a member of the club, you show your zoo card. Like I can show my Oakland zoo card probably at the zoo in Central Park and get either in free or for like a very big discount. And Whoa. it even works in like the London Zoo and like it just works hmm. all over. Once you're in the club, you're in, you know? Yes. That's cool. Just like the BSC. Yeah. Well, I was going to say. Just like the bourgeois capitalist class. I was going to say other than just that, though, my guess is that it's also probably much more expensive to take care of animals properly. And so as they've gotten yeah. better animal welfare laws and learned more about all of these exotic species, the price has gone up because they're not just like feeding them dog chow like they probably were in the 50s. Yeah. That's my other thought. I think, yeah, I think zoos have changed a lot. Yeah. Um, Which is good. Since this book was written. Yeah. In a, in a good way, but and they've realized their place in the world is to advocate for um, nature and wild animals and so they're doing a lot of conservancy stuff and mm-hmm. that's that whole thing which so is why maybe charging us. we should all be glad to be paying 15 dollars to pet some animals in central <laughs> park mm-hmm. <laughs> doing our part um and did you have other pop culture y- stuff yeah i mean there's just a couple of things i wanted to point out um one is when claudia is talking about how she looks she says that she looks exotic, especially mm-hmm. with the right kind yep. of makeup. Mm-hmm. And she was proud of it. And I was like, what do you, I was like full on geisha face. Like what, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> it just made yeah. me think she meant accentuating her almond eyes, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. probably, yep. but I probably. don't, yeah. I, I'm getting tired of the exotic thing. It needs to, it's like the, it's Wait, like it the early nineties now. You 50 books. Well, I was like, okay, it was the 80s, but now we're like right. in the early 90s. It, it's got to, I'm, I'm curious to see when they stop, if they stop describing mm, her. If they fade it out. Yeah. If they fade it out. Yeah. I feel like they should soon. Uh, yeah. We'll see. Um, and, oh, the other thing I looked up was why New York is called the Big Apple. Mm. Does anyone know? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing not because it doesn't make sense. No. I mean, it I does make no sense. Idea. Okay. So I'll try to make this very concise. So before it became a nickname, it was it was used as a way to say like a sure thing. So people would say, I bet you a big apple that whatever. Um, and this was a what? term. Yeah, <laughs> this was a term that was popular in the 1800s. Um, and so I, apparently also this goes hand in hand with the fact that I guess apples were like really popular in the 1800s like fruit in general and like Mm -hmm. having like there there are like these news stories i found that were like talking about this farmer who grew a really big apple and i guess Mm -hmm. the 1800s was like the golden age of pomology which is the science of growing fruit so Mm -hmm. just in general people like oh this is cool like like all these exotic things that we didn't think we could grow so apples were just like a cool thing and it's also why it was a really like nice thing to bring a teacher an apple because it was like mm. a really nice gift like a big red apple was like a really nice gesture of appreciation ah, for it wasn't just like a shitty red delicious from the bottom of the bin right i mean i guess <laughs> in the 1800s we had a really nice round perfect apple it was like a big deal like you couldn't just yeah. go to a grocery store right yeah um and then okay so in relation to calling new york the big apple the oxford english dictionary 
states that the first known usage of Big Apple um, in relation to New York was in 1909 when a writer named Edward Norton hmm. wrote, it inclines to think that the Big Apple gets a disproportionate share of the national sap, which it meant like the Midwest inclines to think that New York gets a disproportionate share of the national sap, basically. It's like comparing New York to like other smaller smaller hmm. cities. So New York um, being obsessed with itself and thinking it's the center of the yeah, universe. Yeah, right. Yeah. Sure. Um, and then, but so it was in the early 20th century in the jazz era of New York that really kind of solidified the term the Big Apple. So it was already a popular popular term, people using it as a sure thing, like I'll, I'll bet you a Big Apple or whatever. Um, but a racetrack reporter for racehorses used Big Apple as a noun saying that the big, because like New York hosted a lot of race, horse races. Um, mm-hmm. So it's that the, the Big Apple, the dream of every lad that ever threw a leg over a thoroughbred and the goal of all horsemen, there's only one Big Apple, that's New York. So it's like if you raced your horse in New York, it was like the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. whatever at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then throughout the early 20th century, jazz musicians used to say it in the 20s and 30s after playing like one horse towns um, mm. that like they would say, you know, if you played in New York City, you were playing the Big Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was the president of uh, the New York Convention and Visitors Bureau. His name is Charles Gillett or Gillet, I'm not sure, um, who remembered this term, the Big Apple. And he liked it so much that he turned it into a campaign. So mm-hmm. he he like got like, local artists and like kind of like New York famous people to do art and make it into pins and buttons and posters. And it became this and big he created marketing. Yeah, pretty much. And like he died, I think in the nineties, but like they attributed his campaign of the big apple to kind of get people to come to New York again, huh. to see it as less dangerous and like more of a fun place to go to. So interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So, I found that interesting. And then the other thing I try to look up is why La Cucaracha is used as a horn tune. As a limousine horn. (laughs) And I was like, why is that? I couldn't find anything. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that weird? I was like, why why is La Cucaracha like a horn sound? It makes no sense. Yeah, I don't know. But it's happened before. Do you think... When we we talked about this on the podcast, right, that Michelle and Ann and I won a limo ride in, for selling mm-hmm. magazine subscriptions in middle school. Did yeah. that did that limo play La Cucaracha? Do you remember? Um, I don't remember. It's quite possible it did. There's definitely like a famous movie scene where a limo plays La Cucaracha. Like it's like. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. Movie names. Okay. Like lethal weapon or something? No, 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 no. The one with Julie Roberts where she's a prostitute. Oh, Pretty Pretty Woman? Woman. Yeah, maybe that one. Or maybe the one with what's his name where he's holding up the boombox to try to get Say anything? Yeah, or maybe. (laughs) We're we're playing a game of like. You're just like naming popular movies. (laughs) I can't remember the names of them because I'm old now. Michelle is the oldest person on the call right now. She's she's mine mm. and Anne's elder by a few months. So yeah, yeah it's very very old. These yeah. are speaking into the future for what oh we have had. Yeah, um, 
the, the limos, man. Limos are really big in the early 90s. This is like the same year that we yeah. won that limo ride. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty impressive. They got the limo. And they went to Tavern on the Green. I know. I know. Amazing. Can you imagine the like, um, you know, the the fancy dressed wait staff at Tavern on the Green seeing this table of like five 13 year olds and or six 13 year olds because Lane's there and two 11 year olds and being like, oh, boy. boy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but then Lane's like, I got my dad's black MX. Yeah, like, right. Get yeah. anything you want. Yeah, they knew who, they know the coming yeah. days, so it's fine. All right. I do you guys have any psychology questions or thoughts? I didn't really have much psychology in this. I got a couple pop culture things that jumped out to me, but wait, there's a car horn in Ant Man that plays like a garacha. Oh, that's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, in that great scene when uh what's his name? The guy Luis, is that his name? Who brings him home from jail? Isn't it in his van? His cool van. Yeah. Awesome. It doesn't um the guy from uh, Ranjit from How I Met Your Mother, doesn't his black car play the Kukracha also? I feel like that happened once. I think so. Yeah. Apparently there's also a scene in A Bug's Life where they're in a car where the horn plays the yeah, That's a good one. See what they did I, there? That makes sense. I don't know if you get the joke, Emily. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm too dumb. Can you explain it to me? <laughs> well, if any of our listeners know why La Cucaracha is a popular horn tune, you can write sounds us. sounds awesome. I'm guessing, okay, here's my guess, is that... I can't wait for this. Uh, no. <laughs> no, I don't want to say it now. You're going to make fun of me. No, That's not. the whole point. Come on. Come on. I'm guessing because the Latinx community was always really good at, like, altering their cars and making them super cool. And maybe they figured oh. out how to play it on their cars. Yeah. And yeah, so this is like not a bad theory. theory. Yeah, mm-hmm. for like the cruise. For the cruising. And like souping up the yeah. cars and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not a bad theory. Yeah. Yeah. Let's and just then white like... people stole it and bastardized it. Yeah. All right, Michelle, you can stay. <laughs> uh, anyway, as me to answer your question, I don't, I didn't have any psychology questions. It's a tourism book, right? There's not yeah. much psychology. Like Dawn's fear is not a real fear. It's just a premise for her hanging out with Richie and seeing the real New York. So I'm yeah. not. But a couple of things that jumped out to me. One, I love that they rode the circle line because mm-hmm. Emily and I rode the circle line the first time Emily ever came to New York when she came to visit me when she was a little freshman in high school and had I just was 13. turned 14. Well, you just turned 14, right? Wasn't it Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah. It was right yeah. after my 14th birthday. Barely 14. Yeah. But you were mm-hmm. basically this age and we took the circle line and it was really fun. Hella fun. Um, and then I also thought that, you know, there are some books where Anna Martin's Boomer references are falling forward and somewhere they're not and this one i was like really the Lindbergh baby really Anne? yeah <laughs> like you think 13 yeah. year olds in 1991 we're talking about that like, also i made the waltons that. <laughs> <laughs> we're saying good night good night like the waltons really everyone I is know. that really what christy's gonna be thinking i don't i don't know i was actually um, thinking about this yesterday about how anna martin managed to write a whole series of books for like teenagers that wasn't very like there's nothing very teeny about them except that their relationships with each other and kind mm-hmm. of because mm-hmm. their pop culture is like it really is like everything from her era like there's nothing yeah. mm-hmm. there's zero like there are no modern references except right, for, the like modern references are all made up like yeah the slime kings right like yeah. but it's like every- and there's, it's not even like a retro is cool thing it's just like a this is just yeah 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 but there's what i got the limber kidnapping is what made it um illegal to cross state lines 
Like, oh, with a child? Mm-hmm. With a minor. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. What do you guys think, well, especially you guys as parents, about the fact that the parents decided not to tell the babysitters that they were being tailed by a bodyguard? Um, so we didn't really walk through this plot point, but because the kids that Stacey and Marianne are babysitting for are the children of diplomats, they have a bodyguard most of the time. And so like halfway through the book, Stacey and Marianne notice a man following them and they're like freaking out and they don't know if they should tell the parents or if they're imagining it or blah, blah, blah. And eventually they confront the parents and the parents are laughing and they're like, oh yeah, that's our bodyguard. We didn't tell you because we wanted them to have, you know, like a normal vacation and feel like normal kids. And everyone's just like, oh, phew, what a relief. And like, moves on do we i okay um yeah i think that the the richer parents are the crazier they get that's my opinion (laughs) um but i mean yeah um and i think it's entirely feasible that they would not bother to tell 13 year olds this because they just didn't think that 13 year olds would notice because uh-huh. they just think they're kids too in a way mm-hmm. yeah that's so interesting yeah i think it's totally feasible i think it's dumb i think so dumb. like it obviously doesn't take away from alistair and rowena's illusion to just tell stacy and marianne yeah. um but i i like michelle's theory about this uh curve of mm-hmm. richness and parental insanity ask I also, any teacher yeah. who teaches in a <laughs> school district any teacher i also cracked up that christy was convinced that her mom and watson would be like yeah bring home a dog that you found in central park and watson's like absolutely not fuck no and she's like oh what <laughs> and like shocked yeah. by that somehow <laughs> yeah hmm. yeah christy got a little short tripped in this book i was like really okay Hide the dog. I was yeah. impressed by Mrs. Cummings. I'm like, she was pretty chill about it. I was really pleased with that. Too. Yeah. She's like sitting with them on the couch. Yeah. yeah. Like, so seems like you guys have some things to tell me. <laughs> so I was going to introduce me to this yeah. dog. I know. I thought yeah. that was going to happen too. Yeah. 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 Oh, well. Oh, well. <sighs> what did Claudia eat, Annie? Um, I actually noticed this. She ate a really disgusting lunch. Oh, she did. Yeah. <laughs> she is yeah. like a candy lunch. A fluffer nut sandwich, which what is, is marshmallow. I think it's marshmallow and peanut butter. Yeah, marshmallow fluff and peanut butter. Remember, oh, they used to make those. Really good. Yeah, I, I thought you'd it. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Oreos, a couple of chocolate chip cookies, and some Fritos. That's her lunch. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like that my parents would eat that. Lunch. Like oh, that's so even sweet. too much for me. Just so much sugar. I just want the Fritos. I mean, yeah. I would eat like the cookies and the Fritos. I'd leave out the fluffer nut sandwich. Remember yeah. my peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with butter in them? Yeah. 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 Michelle's-, Michelle's grandma would put butter to like create a her seal. Up. No, yeah, like- also that. <laughs> Get her fat. But she explained it that it created a seal so that it like didn't, didn't soak the into the bread and it didn't stick to the roof of your mouth. Butter on the bread and then the peanut butter and then the jelly. 
Yeah. So I had these like incredibly rich. I can mail you one, Emily. Yeah. <laughs> you should try Don't it. You dare. It's actually not yesterday. That bad. Matt was like, "Can I get rid of all this fucking candy?" I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> Do you keep mailing Emily candy for reals? Yeah. Yes, she hasn't tried before. You're just like Richie Magnesi trying to make <laughs> Don eat all the sweets. Wait, you. did you send her like, caramel? And you have a matching boot. Yeah, I know. Oh I my know. god, I'm, I'm I'm no longer Christy. I'm Richie Magnesi. What if we What if we Googled Richie Magnesi and Esme's face came up on Google? Oh, That'd be weird. Someone's going to try to make that happen now, and her name is Anne. You that would like, be good because you know misdirection mm. <laughs> yeah you don't want your patients googling you right and then yeah, that, if do. richie came up it but, would be like Haha. but rich we don't have a picture of richie it's if somebody was no. going to google richie magnesium i would come up that's what you look like <laughs> we don't have to keep richie incognito oh no i thought someone was gonna like it's make like up a picture of richie magnesium <laughs> and then <laughs> why don't you paint us one <laughs> and then we'll post it yeah, when you Google Esme Schaller, you get a a portrait of Richie yeah. Magnesia. Wait, I'm just going to Google Richie Magnesia. Okay. Um, well, Michelle it. does that. And did she have anything else other than that? No. No candy? What about? I didn't know any candy. I mean, they didn't have a meeting. Yeah, yeah that's true. Dawn ate a chocolate. Yeah. yeah. She, like, forced on a chocolate. What about tallies? Tallies are low in this book as they are in pretty much all the super specials. So we get a couple sophisticated, of course, because we're in New York. Um, we got an individualistic again, Emily. Um, or it's just getting longer. It was individual, then it was individualist, and now it's individualistic. Um, and then people Alman don't know what those exotic, words mean. Both for, for Claude, which I think she uses both of them on herself. In the same mm. sentence almost, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, what about weirdest lines? Oh, I can right. go first. <laughs> Sorry. Great. When Michelle Googles Richie Magnesi, the top two sources are moon juice and moon dust. <laughs> magnesi ohm. Because it's magnesi ohm. Oh. Like that, that rich people like goop stuff. Put and quotes then around the next it. result is this, is this book. The fourth image is super special number six. <laughs> oh, wow. New York, New York. Huh. Okay. Uh, weirdest lines. Oh, mine is... The title of Mallory's future picture book, Field Mice in Deep Trouble. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so good. It's so <laughs> I wrote that down too. Oh my God. And I also oh. loved the line when she's like thinking about them later. Yes. That's <laughs> I'm worried about the trouble that they're in. <laughs> oh, I love Mallory so much. Okay, well, that blows all of mine out of the water. I, I'm, none of mine are as good. I, I wrote down a few. Um, I'll just share. One of them was when Claude says at the beginning, I'm not all that familiar with roosters. Um, <laughs> about what time people get up. And then um, the, oh, the one, this is not my weirdest line, but the one, I didn't say this in Tally's, the one social justice thing. They did call the fish weird in the Chinatown restaurant. They said some weird fish in the tank. Mm. So I thought mm. that was a little bit, a little racist. bit fishy slash mm. racist. Yes. Um, I also, this is not a good line for a, um, an episode, but I loved when they're in Central Park and Alistair, the precious British child who is like all English people, right, Michelle? They acted exactly mm -hmm. like every English person you know. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I will say English children are extremely polite and well-behaved. I will say that. They okay. are. And I'm always like deeply embarrassed about my children. <laughs> we go, I'm like, oh my God, my kids are feral and they're rude. <laughs> 
And all these little English children are like, how are Brilliant. you doing, Michelle? <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. So, That's so funny. Uh, Alistair has a book about Central Park that he read before going to Central Park. And the man selling balloons and inflatable toys is in the book. And when Alistair gets his little balloon, he says to the man, <laughs> I loved your book. I loved your book. <laughs> Yeah. So good. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> and that was really cute. Yeah. Yeah, that was cute. No, it's got to be the field mice. Yeah, it's the field mice. You, did you have one? Or you also it was the, the field, field mice? mice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. right. Excellent. There's one answer. Yeah. Beautiful. It is field mice. Uh, Michelle, anything else you want to say now that you're here? And okay, I do want to say. About you? Wait, didn't I say this already? I think I said this already, but maybe not the whole thing, which was it was really nice to read a book. And to have like this elation at the end with everybody writing letters to each other. Like I actually mm. really enjoyed mm-hmm. the epilogue with everyone like writing, you know, to the English children back in England and then writing to Stacy's dad. And mm-hmm. it was really cute. Yeah. And I was like, this is a, I had a positive experience reading a Babysitter's Club book <laughs> at 43. I was really proud. <laughs> and I appreciate you guys for reminding the world of the joys. Awesome. Yeah, I put a big heart next to the epilogue in my notes. This one in particular, I felt like was like a really nice one. Yeah, I liked the exchange between Stacey and her dad when she signs it wondering in Stony Brook. Yeah, it's like, dear wondering. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Very clever. Again, pretty sophisticated. That's a pretty sophisticated joke for a 13 year old. I'm just saying. Indeed. Yeah. Should we move on to pizza toast? Yeah. Michelle, you don't want people following you on social media or anything, right? You're just like a private citizen. You're not here to plug anything. I am I am not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You're a private citizen, our own personal mm-hmm. Stacy. We need could, to round out the crew. You could yeah. plug Joe. I could plug Joe. Yeah. You wanna plug Joe? Okay. Should I? I don't I feel <laughs> Will like he get mad. <laughs> like annoying he's always like oh, i have forty thousand instagram followers <laughs> i'm like oh, he does have a lot um, i am i didn't so know he had an instagram if you're into him if you're into cool houses fancy houses and fancy photography you should check out joefletcher.com and uh yeah yeah or is he at joe fletcher on instagram or at, at joe fletcher photo or i think it's oh, joe fletcher know. photography is it Mm-hmm. Thanks, Anne. Nice. <laughs> I know. I can't wait for him to get a bunch of 12-year-old followers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a bunch of Marianne's are going to start following yeah. us. Yeah. Yay. Beautiful. Okay, what should we pizza um, toast to? Why don't we pizza toast to Henry R. Martin, the illustrator? Oh, my gosh, yeah. yes. I really liked that. Yeah. Oh, that's a surprisingly uh, earnest suggestion from you, Anne. Yeah. yeah. Or sincere, Anne. rather. <laughs> I yeah. do I do like to think about Anne collaborating with her dad on this book. It's like a very mm-hmm. sweet idea. And I also like that he was game to be like, yeah, pretend these illustrations are by a 13-year-old from Connecticut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you crying, Esme? No. I just think it's very sweet. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, wait, what's his name again? Henry R. Martin. Henry R. Martin. A pizza toast to Henry R. Martin. Pizza toast to Henry. Henry. Hey, Henry. <laughs> This episode. Thank you, Michelle. Oh, thanks, Michelle. Yeah. yeah. Yay! Michelle. Yay. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Okay. This episode <laughs> of Stuck in Stony Brook is now adjourned. Thank you to Anna and Martin for everything. Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Emily Crandall. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kit. 
You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both a local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash Stuck in Stony Brook. Lastly, if you're feeling dibly generous and you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. You're the best friends a girl could ask for.